Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 13 of ABC on Pittsburgh Sports. Michael Indonesio, Tom Bradley, and me, Mark Clemente here. It is the week of whatever this is, April 25th. It's NFL Draft Week. That's all I know. That's all I care about at this point. And we'll get to the NFL Draft. But first today, let's start up talking about the Pirates. Uh, pleasantly surprising out of the gate, 8 and 9, as we sit here when we record this week's episode. My question to both of you is, how the hell are this, is this team 8 and 9? Worst rotation in baseball, a lineup that most of us laugh at every night. But they're sitting at 8 and 9. Yeah, I, I, it's hard to believe. I mean, they're behind the eight ball every game in the first two innings of every single game. Uh, other than the one exception last week when Keller mm-hmm. must have been in some kind of trance and pitched a good game and then come out last night with the walk and the home run and then the two more runs in the fourth. And then he brings in Aaron Fletcher. I don't even know who the hell that is. He gives up four runs. So, But they, they never quit. I have no idea how this team's eight and nine. Uh, like you said, the mm-hmm. worst starting rotation in baseball – uh, the lineup, They're the 6-9 ERA. Let that sink in for a minute. The starters. Six, they, it's, I mean, the, the back end of the bullpen, obviously. Right. And then the piggybacking. But th- that's soon coming to an end, right? Because right. now we're going to have to trim the rosters down to 26 from 28. And you're not going to have an extra two or three arms in the bullpen to have your starting pitcher go three innings. Uh, the lineup is disjointed. There's a different lineup every night. Guys are hitting all over the lineup. But for the exception of Reynolds so far this year, it's been hitting second most of the time. Hayes has hit some leadoff, but it, most of the nights you see something different. Well, you say hits that, and that's another. They're doing this without Brian Reynolds yes. doing absolutely nothing yeah. so far this year. No, this I, I, this is a miracle. They're eight and nine. I mean, for me, I, I mean, they could easily be zero and seventeen. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the success mainly has come off of the the, the third through sixth inning guys. You know, I mean, thank God the pitchers only last two or three innings um, to get them the hell out of the way. But I mean, the the Will Crows and and the Dylan Peters, who's starting tonight, thank God, probably get shelled tonight because he's starting. Um, but you know, those guys have really sort of ham- hammered it down to get the Pirates a chance to get caught back up. But they're they're hitters, while none of them being magnificent, and you know, Reynolds really you know struggling being their staple. But I mean, they've gotten big hits at timely, mm-hmm. you know, timely times. You know, Satsuko, we make fun of him, but the softball well, guys, he's, he's yeah, the softball he's guy, raking. the softball guy keeps going, man. And he's just, hey, I mean, I don't think he credit owns where a, I don't think he, I don't think he owns a fielder's glove. Uh-huh. That, although, did I see? Is he? He's not. No, he's not. Yeah. Um, he, uh, I don't think he owns a glove. But I mean, hey, he, you know, they they seem to come up with a timely hit mm-hmm. whenever they need something. They seem to get it. Every everybody's getting a, a different chance to, to chip in there. I mean, it's only seventeen games, but I mean, this is the Pirates. You you hold on for dear life, like the Titanic that it is sinking. And you know, at some point by June or July or August, it's going to be you know not as not as great. But I, I give them credit. And one thing you know that I see is these guys don't quit. I mean, they're hustling. They you know in the dugout, everybody's you know Walkie pointed out last week on the broadcast. You know, every I think it was him. Everybody's on the top step cheering everybody on. Nobody's sitting in the dugout, mm-hmm. you know, sitting down or not paying attention or flipping gum at each other. They all seem to be rooting mm-hmm. for each other and stuff like that. And and when you have a team and a and an organization that's been down like this, you know, baby steps matter and mm-hmm. little things like this. And I, I think uh, Roberto Perez, the catcher they brought in, yeah, I thought right. he's brought mm-hmm. some life to them. 
I think he's brought a little bit of an attitude. Mm-hmm. Ben Nard at the end of the game, he's got oh, a little yeah. bit of an attitude. Sunday. Yeah. How about yeah. Sunday? Yeah. Six straight fastballs he shoved right up their ass. How's that not a t shirt? Did you see him on the handshake? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody, every time he taps somebody, he would go, F him, F him, F him, <laughs> all the way out. And uh, so I, I'm okay with that. You know, I, I don't yeah. know what these guys yeah. are going to be, but. I'm glad to see they got a little fire in their belly and they got a little something. You know, they're, they're, they're showing a little something. It, it, but they they got to get some starting pitching. I mean, I, we're, I'm not even talking six innings. Can we get somebody to go five friggin' innings other than Jose Quintana, who knows how to pitch but just has no talent? Yeah, right. He's mean, one, yeah, he has nothing left. I, it, it, the secret is we're talking about Will Crow and the Dylan Peters mm-hmm. and um, – well, not so much Heath Henry, but he got no, shot. Stratton. Last Stratton's been good. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Bednar, Bednar. but the, the key to success is throwing strikes. The starters can't throw strikes. The bullpen can throw strikes. And and that's the difference. They they have got to change something with the starting rotation. Uh, if you just can't continually go well, three innings every every start, two innings, four innings. What I was mean, the record when not playing Milwaukee, too? This is unbelievable. Yeah, they're, and we know Milwaukee's going right, to be in until the end. They're going to be they're they're gonna be a playoff team. I can't wait to play Cincinnati. I right, mean, yeah. can we play them? Can we stop playing Milwaukee? <laughs> uh, Cincinnati, I like them playing Chicago. Okay, right. Um, they're probably better talent-wise than both of those teams. I mean, Cincinnati's really bad. Other than the young kid, Hunter well, they Green. lost what twelve in a row. Yeah, yeah. Right? They, well, eleven in a row, and then they won a game, and then they lost again. But yeah, right. they, 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 but we just got to get more out of the starting pitching. It, it, it's cringeworthy, like every every game, and it, you know, I mean, it's seventy pitches through three and a half innings. I mean, you can't do that. So uh, they got to change the starting pitching at some point. Yeah, no, I agree. That's a huge issue. And you're right, Tommy. They're getting timely hitting from various guys up and down the lineup, and that's been a huge, you know, huge difference with this team. Hopefully, it continues. It's going to have to if that starting rotation stays the same. Um, but and, and let's hope to see. Like I was excited last night. Right. I heard that Swinski was called up. Mercano was called up. That's what's going to keep fan interest high. Hopefully, that continues throughout the summer. So. I, Listen, this is not going to continue the 8-9. and nine. We know they're going to settle into probably 10 to 15 games under at some point here. But if we can keep seeing these young guys and keep seeing some signs of hope that, hey, Sawinski, nice piece of hitting in the ninth inning last night. Yeah, Mercano goes off the wall, uh, makes a great play in, in left field. That is, you know, there's hope there. But that's as a fan and as somebody that, you know, the Pirates should be trying to win back to actually pay attention mm-hmm. You know, and we'll talk about this, but I mean, two of the last three days, I've turned Penguins off to watch the Pirates, mm-hmm. and as I'm not sure who that's a sadder compliment of, but the reality of it is, the Pirates for right now, I, I want to see life. Mm-hmm. I want to see players that give a crap about what they're doing. I don't want to see guys out there going through the motions and things like that. And there are guys on this team that you can tell have a little fire in their belly that are excited to be here, that are trying to prove themselves. Young players, that's what you get with young players and things like that, which is something that we'll talk about the other team in town lacking significantly right now. Um, but having a little life, you know, and, and that's going to catch my attention as a fan. And hopefully, you know, if they continue to play like this, more people will start paying attention to them. Yeah, there's no Derek Bells on this team, which no. is very refreshing. There's no, no Operation no, Shutdown. But you know what? There's also not – there's no Jeremy Berlitzes <laughs> and, and guys like that that were clearly cashing in right. a paycheck. Lonnie Chisenhall, who three years ago. <laughs> he never played he one, never one inning. I have as many as bats as he yeah, does. He never they played one inning here. They he signed got, him. He took the check and never yeah, came back. He got, he got $3 million for it, though. We didn't. But, I mean. <laughs> well, I forgot about him. Yeah, oh, yeah. 
So, um, hey, even Derek Bell, Operation Shutdown, at least he played a little bit. Chisinau just took the check. It was like, it, like he won the lottery. He showed up, it. took a picture of the big check, got in his car, drove home, said, thanks, guys. Thanks for the money. But this team, at least, they're giving. And the other thing I liked last night is, you know, Sawinski came up last, last minute. Mm-hmm. But he's swinging a hot bat, and boom, he was in the lineup last night. You know, that's one of my gripes have been with the Pirates is um, making the young guys pay their dues and, you know, letting them see the experience Major League Baseball and stuff. Well, if they want to experience Major League Baseball, they can buy a ticket and sit in the stands. If the guys are hot and you're bringing them up hot, um, you know, get them in the lineup. See if you can keep that streak going. And that's one of the things that I wanted to talk to you guys about see what you thought. Um the news today, Kevin Newman going on to DL. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's gone for three to five weeks, so there's an opening a shortstop. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a really big, tall shortstop right. in Indianapolis. The problem is he is not doing – he's scuffling. He's been 190 going in today, 580 OPS. You know, t- our friend Dejan over at DK Sports, I'm almost positive reported on Friday that April 27th, which is today, ironically enough, is the Super 2 status for, for him. So they would, if they called him up tomorrow, which they weren't able to call anybody up today because of day games for the minor leaguers, he does, he could technically be called up mm-hmm. tomorrow. So is that the right thing to do? Do you bring up a guy that's scuffling like that to see if you can get him up here? Or do you let him, you call up somebody else and try to figure out where, you know, what, what do you do? What's the right call? That's a tough call, and I think Michael and I may have a different take on this. I think you call him up. I think you call him up, give him a shot. There's an opening there. You have with Newman out that length of time. I think you you put him in, you let him play for that three to five week period. I do. It, it, what do you have to lose? That's the problem, though, Mark. The, the, this the way they run this this team, the major league team, not the minor leagues. They're going to bring him up, and he's not going to play every day. I, I know how they do that. I know how this team operates. I I, I mean, I, I could put the lineup out in my sleep. I never miss a game. Yeah. I think they should call him up, but if they call him up, he goes out there every day. Now, I don't want to hear, you know, two weeks from now people bitching that he went over right. four with four strikeouts because it, it's really hard to hit at this level. So it, it's going to be a struggle. Right. But the thing he has, a lot of guys don't have. He hit a ball last night. He hit a ground ball 111 miles an hour. He hit mm-hmm. it so hard it rolled into the gap for a double. There's not many guys right. that have that kind of raw exactly. power. So, yeah, I think they bring him up, but they have to play him every day. And there's going to be some real bumps in the road. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be games where he looks foolish. I mean, breaking balls. Um, he's going to look like Serrano from Major League a couple times. I mean, it, it's going to be ugly, but that's the only way to learn to play is to play at that level and just to get the experience. Yeah, and you have a defined window. I mean, Kevin Newman is a, is a Major League shortstop. If he's going to be out three to five weeks, you know, you bring Cruz up and you play him at shortstop. Stop. This isn't the guy you do the punch cards with, you know, where he's got to get, you know, play in eight spots to get his free hoagie. He has to come up and let him figure and let him play shortstop. And then the Pirates can see, okay, do we have a shortstop at this level or do we not? And if he's bobbling balls and booting balls and doing all that stuff, then okay. Then you realize, all right, then we got to take a look at him somewhere else. But let him come up and, and give him the last thing you need to do is a guy with the weight of an organization, which is what O'Neill Cruz has on his shoulder. He's the first piece in this next generation coming up from the minors that everybody's going to be talking about here leading this brigade, besides the guys, you know, Hayes and, and Reynolds that have already been here for a little bit. Um, don't make it – don't double down on that pressure 
by moving him around and making him uncomfortable and stuff. Let him come up. Say, hey, you're going to be our starting shortstop until Newman comes back, and we'll see what you got. And at the end of that thing, then we'll reevaluate and see if he comes up and he's smoking balls all over the field, but he's struggling defensively. All right, now we start looking at him in the outfield. But if he comes up, plays a good shortstop, and is smoking the ball or playing well, then, you know, Newman goes to the bench, and, and you let this kid ride it out from there. Yeah, I couldn't agree. And to extend that even further, I would say Castillo should be at second base every day. Chavis should be at first base every day. Yes. Sutsugo, that dude, I mean, enough. And We've seen caught, enough of him. They caught lightning in a bottle with him last year. Right. But, I mean, the reality of it is, is the majority of his careers look like this, right. not the six weeks last year. He has trouble catching up the – yeah, high velocity. And a lot of Japanese hitters, other than the guy that Cubs signed, the Suzuka. Is everybody in Japan named Suzuka? Uh, yeah, but, yeah, he, he he just cannot catch up the velocity. And, uh, I, you know, what's funny is, I, and I, I've not been a fan of him, but Mason Martin. Mm-hmm. Okay. He has, you and I have gone back and forth we on have. him. We have. And uh, so he has 20 hits this year. 15 of them are extra base hits. I mean, that is impact swings. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not quantity, it's quality. Um, and when you got a corner position mm-hmm. player, we know right field, first base, third base, you want those guys to have an impact swing. You know, um, I, I don't know if he's going to be better than a Joey Gallo, or but he has an impact swing when he makes contact. The question's always been, can he make enough contact? So we'll see. But, yeah, I'd love to see Cruz. All right. So, Tom, you already alluded to the other surprising team in town, but not pleasantly surprising like the Pirates disappointingly surprising, the Penguins. So we're heading into the playoffs. They have one more game. They play Columbus, whatever. It, it is what it is. They're in it. We'll, we'll figure out who they play here. But um, every team that goes into the playoffs, look at every team in the Eastern Conference, they have a flaw. Every team has a flaw of some type. Nobody's perfect. But it seems like the Penguins have way more flaws than any other team in the Eastern Conference right now. Yeah, it's uh... – it's a tough watch. Even my buddy here, Michael, got into the action mm-hmm. last night. He wanted to see what this McDavid-Crosby matchup looked like, and unfortunately it was, it was very, very much yeah. A, yeah. a McDavid show. Uh, yeah, boy, I am uh, I am about as optimistic a fan as there is. I can usually shine up any piece of crap that they throw out there on the ice for the last, well, I don't know, 45 years that I've been a fan that I can remember, but boy, I, I don't know that I've ever been this down on them heading into this to the playoffs. Um, you know, I Phil Bork and uh, and Jake Caulfield have both been on the radio this week, and I respect their opinions. They played the game; they know a hell of a lot more about the game than I do, uh, according to some of our fans too, or at least one fan out there who doesn't <laughs> think I know what I'm talking about when it comes to hockey. But um, with Caulfield and Bork, I mean, they seem to think that the guys are just they're ready for the playoffs. They just want to get through the end of the season and and turn it on. And boy, that is a that is a needle to thread, man. And I, I I love to think that that's the case, but, but the problem is there's just too many guys. There's too many problems, as you referenced. Everybody has a flaw in the East. Um, and the teams that, you know, we're, we now know it's down to the Rangers or the Panthers right. um, uh, that they're going to play. And they have their, you know, the Rangers and, and, the, and the Florida Panthers both have their flaws. I mean, Florida hasn't won a playoff series since 1996 when they eliminated the Penguins to get to the to get And they don't the exactly out. have a, a goalie that would They would have scare a goalie them. that yeah. doesn't, that has a terrible playoff history. <laughs> they have a lot of guys. I mean, every guy on their roster that's a homegrown Florida mm-hmm. Panther has never won a playoff series. 
And that goes for the Rangers, too. The Rangers mm-hmm. haven't won a playoff series in five years. Um, their goalie's never been through something like this. You know, when the lights turn on in the playoffs, we've seen, you know, we've seen players step up. We've seen players, you know, wilt under that kind of pressure. You just don't know until that stuff starts. So everybody's got their flaws. But getting back to the hometown team, boy, I could save us a lot of time and just talk about the positives. And that's really Crosby and Gensel. I mean, those guys have been the pillar of consistency mm-hmm. throughout this year. But, man, outside of that, yeah. I mean, who do, who do you go to? I mean, help me. I don't yeah. I don't got anybody. Even There's, Latang. Right. I mean, you know, everybody praises Latang for playing 30 minutes a game. But the reason he's playing 30 minutes a game is the other five defensemen are awful. <laughs> and I, I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a Latang fan. I don't I I watch Latang closely, yeah. and he just doesn't. He's not. The number one defenseman that I wanted, that I want for this. For There's a narrative with him. It, yeah. it, 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 it takes over all oh, Latang, Latang. If you watch him, as you said, I mean, he's a turnover machine. Yeah, the things he does, he just, he, to me, he has a very low hockey IQ. Mm-hmm. And he just does things that a guy that's been in the league for 16 years, little things. When you're the quarterback on the power play, um, you need to you need to be the guy that is setting the tone. You need to be the guy that is um, setting up one timers and things like that. And you watch the little things that he does. Passes not in the wheelhouse and people mm-hmm. skates too hard or too soft. Um, dumping pucks. Well, you know, last night he, he did three or four times. He dumped it in a spot where Mike Smith, who's a great goalie, mm-hmm. a great stick handling goalie, he just pick it up and right out of the zone. I mean, as a veteran defenseman for 16 years, you just got to know better than that. But I mean, Crosby, Latang, and Gensel are the are are probably the three things that are, are at least going in the right direction. But boy, I mean, and the I other to, the other five yeah. defensemen are terrible right now. Even Dumoulin, I mean, Dumoulin has just, just yeah. fallen off a cliff. You know, he broke his ankle. I want to say it's been two, two years or, ago. Two years mm-hmm. ago now, and I just don't think he's ever been the same player since he came back from that. Um, the rest of them are 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 just playing are either not good, never were good. Or just in a slump, um, and then the forwards, man. You know, Gino's line's been a mess. Yeah. They keep shuffling. Well, I go back to what, uh, an issue you brought up three or four podcasts ago about continuity. This team has zero continuity. Yeah, and like we and talked that. about last week, I wanted these last four mm-hmm. games mm-hmm. To, to set your lineup. This is what the playoff lineups are going to be. Right. Let everybody a chance to, to play together. And man, what do we have so right. far? He's, he's changed the lineup. You know, boils in and boils out. You know, this lineup against Edmonton, it was like he pulled 12 names out of a hat. You know, those lines just didn't make any sense to me. I don't understand Boyle being the scratch. I mean, I guess it's the easiest thing to do is to scratch the old veteran, you know, and just go with trying to be a younger, faster team. But that's the thing. The Penguins just aren't the fast team anymore. They're just not. not. They're not. And they need to adjust their play accordingly, and they won't do it. No. And I don't know if it's the players, if it's the coach, if it's both. You know, it, it, you know, somebody's got to be the adult and say, listen, this isn't working, man. We got to do something else. But the problem is there's one game left and then the playoffs. And I, I just don't see a lot of adjustments coming. I really don't. And what worries me, and you brought this up already last week, they have a tailor-made excuse already ready to go. Their number one goalie's out. Yeah, but I'll tell you what. If it goes through the playoffs like this, there's no goalie in the world. That could have bailed him out. You know, I'm not a huge DeSmith fan, um, but you know, last night and and Deming on Sunday, there wasn't anything those guys could have done. Jari would have done differently to win that game. Um, when the guys in front of you are sleeping, 
Um, th- there's nothing a goalie can do. Patrick Waugh in his prime wasn't going to win those two games. And, uh, you know, and the one thing you have to remember when it comes to changes in the offseason, like I said, we'll talk about what I think they should do in the offseason after this season wraps up. But Hextall and Burke do not – these aren't their guys. These are not – nobody for the most part except for Jeff Carter, who already got his extension, is a Hextall or Burke guy. And Raquel, and hopefully they'll re-sign him. Um, so, you know, <clears throat> I, I don't know. If they lose – if they wind up – getting into playoffs and losing games and it's obvious that the goalie lost it, then they've got their excuse. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't know, man. It, it, it's just, I've never been this down on them heading into the playoffs. And it, it is just, it's just, it just, they don't still look like they care. They look, or they look old. Totally disinterested. They look last tired. Night. Yeah. You know, I mean, whatever that... the excuse is, man, it, it is just not putting off a vibe. No. It, you know, and everybody keeps talking about them staying away from Florida, man, boy. I don't know. I'm almost of the opinion to steer right into the crash. Mm. You know, Bob Prince used to say, you know, hidden vigorous, you know, guy goes four for four, he's due for an out kind of thing. Mm. And I'm thinking, you know, that Florida's won 12 in a row or 13 in a row, and maybe you can get into them and get Bob Roski's head and win a game 5-4. Because if they play the Rangers, it's going to be like the 2013 finals against Boston, Eastern Conference finals, when they scored two goals in four games. I, I just don't see how they can – I don't see how they can score on the Rangers with the way they're playing yeah. defense and just darken in that. It's yeah. not good. No, I, good. I agree with you. I, I think expectations are at an all-time low of the Sidney Crosby era. Let's put it that way. I don't think anybody in this town expects them to do anything. I think everybody expects them to be one and done again. And then everybody's looking to what the hell do they do this summer. And and who knows? Maybe that will help. Maybe, maybe. Maybe the fact that there's no pressure on them. I mean, believe me, there is nobody in this town, both from a fan and a business perspective, because this my business, you know, owning a beer distributor, man, the Penguin, when the Penguin Stanley Cup runs, that was like five or six Steelers Super Bowls in one in one swoop. So for the local businesses, for distributors mm-hmm. like me, local bars, I mean, I hope to God I'm wrong and I at least get a two rounds out of them. Um, but, boy, I, I just, I've never been, I've never seen been this hopeless going in. And the Easter Conference is loaded. All eight teams could win their first-round series, and all eight teams could lose their first-round series. And there's going to be four good teams that don't don't get to the second round in the East. And they're capable of it. They've shown it throughout the years that they can step up and stuff. But, boy, these last couple of games just give you See, that's what I don't think they can do. We talked about this last week. I don't think they can flip that switch anymore. I don't think it's – they're too old. I don't think they have that capability. Well, there's too many switches that need flipped. Right. Right. I, honestly, I, you know, I was just talking about this today with my dad um, – I honestly wish this was reversed. I wish the Crosby Gensel line was struggling and that Latang was struggling mm-hmm. and that everybody else was playing the best hockey they've ever played. Because then you're talking about proven commodities mm-hmm. that just need to play better. And those guys I have faith in. The problem is you have 18 skaters and arguably 14 of them stink right now. There's just not that many switches. You just yeah. can't flip all that. And um, I'll be very curious to see. I think the guys like O'Connor and Zahorna and Nathan Bellew, who they dra- who they got at the trade deadline, mm-hmm. I don't think those guys have played because of the cap. One thing I'll be very curious about, and by the time we do next week's podcast, we'll have at least one game down. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be very curious if this coach, who won a cup by making changes and by being fluid and Flipping from Murray to Flurry and Flurry back to Murray and doing things like that in middle of playoff runs, willing to make the big move. Those guys, I wonder if the O'Connors and Zahornas and even Bellew, who we've never seen play, 
but I know he's physical. I know he's a left-handed shot, which could which would appraise Pedersen. Will you give any of those guys a shot in the playoffs when there's no more excuses as to why they're not here? You know, mm-hmm. that's something that if I was the coach and I watch what this team does, do you give them the veteran respect and let them play game one? Okay, maybe. But boy, I'd be quick with the hook with some of these guys and try to get some kind of spark into this lineup. No, my my question to you guys because obviously I'm not a hockey guy. I mean, it, 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 the players other than the guys that Tommy was talking mm-hmm. about, you know, the core guys that are good are, are the uh, the sum of the parts. Are they good enough to get to the not finals? right now? That, but but what do you mean not right now? I mean, this is, we've had 82 games, well, right? right? It, so it, unless you are what you are, right? I, I, I agree. I, I'm not. I, I think right, you the Penguins are, are who they are. I mean, they're a 500 team. In the last 28 games, that's who they are. No surprises there. And so, unless you know Brock McGinn turns around and all of a sudden he becomes a playoff contributor, you're getting something from Brock McGinn. I don't think you will, but there's a possibility. Tommy, to your last point, there's always that possibility. Well, Tommy's going talking, into the playoffs. Tommy's talking about you know Latang playing 30 minutes a game, mm-hmm. which is too many minutes, but the rest of the defensemen stink. Yeah. So when the playoffs start, they no longer stink. That's my point. Like how that you are the player you are. You're not. Right. You're not going to get any better just because the playoffs started. Well, I mean, to to answer your question, I would say all the Penguins on the current roster that the most likely people that are are going to start the playoffs, they've all been good for parts of this year. They've shown flashes. Pedersen was great the first month of the year, first month and a half or so of the year. You know, Kapanen had a stretch where he got hot a little bit in December. Mm-hmm. You know, Carter was great for the first half. Rodriguez of, for was the first amazing in December. Rodriguez, if general manager JR was still here in December with as hot as he was, he'd have a five-year, <laughs> $20 million contract by now. I mean, so to answer your point, yes, all of those guys have had stretches this year where they've been productive. The problem is, is that literally 13 or 14 of them haven't been productive over the last few weeks. And I just don't see few months. how that many guys can flip a switch. I, yeah. I just yeah. don't see it. But I'll say this again. In my opinion, the best player who's going to be in the Eastern Conference playoffs plays for the Penguins, and that's Sidney Crosby. And a close in that conversation is going to be Gensel. So they have two of the best, if not best, players in the Eastern Conference. So that does that give you a puncher's chance? I think it does. But, boy, there's a lot of things that got to go right, and not having your number one goalie is a big, big, you know, that's right. good. That's where that's, that's going to hurt. Right. <clears throat> Obviously, we'll follow along. Playoffs start next week. As Tommy mentioned, we'll, we'll discuss game one on our podcast uh, next week. But for now, we're talking playoffs. Let's switch from the NHL to the NBA. Amazing game last night. Yeah, I, I actually had to text Mark and tell him. I said, "Hey, turn turn this game on." Uh, that, I was that, watching the Pirates, so. Well, I was too, but they were down twelve seven. So I figured, you know what, I'm going to turn this Memphis Minnesota game back on, and um, that game didn't disappoint. That last five minutes of that game was just back and forth. It was like two heavyweight fighters punching each other, and both of these teams are, are incredibly young, right? You know, Minnesota last week blew an epic twenty six point lead. And then Carl Anthony Tynes has some weird press conference after the game when they asked him, you know, um, how, how do you blow a lead like that? He said, next question. And then mm-hmm. the next question after that was, well, you know, what do you do now going into the next game? And he said, I'm going to go home and drink wine. So, I, I mean, his answers were very immature. He only took four shots in the second half of that game. And then he came back in game four. They win game four. 
Last night, we go back to Memphis, Minnesota. Again, every game, Minnesota's had mm-hmm. a lead in these games. They just haven't been able to hold on to them. And Jaw Morant is just a, a human highlight reel. And if he's coming down the lane full speed, he's like a Ferrari. <laughs> it, please, if you're a defender on the opposing team, get the hell out of the way because he's going to leave his nutsack hanging <laughs> on your head. I, the guy has a vertical I've never seen on a human being in my entire life. The one thing with Jaw, and he's young, I keep forgetting he's the same age as my son. Everything he does, he does it fast. So he doesn't know pace. He doesn't know when to right. slow it down. He only knows one speed right now, and that's just his youth right now. But um, Memphis has a three games to two lead going back to Minnesota for game six uh, tomorrow. Um, that series is, like I said, if you get a chance to watch Jaw Morant play, please do. Even if you don't watch the whole game, as everybody right. says, the NBA playoffs – the, the best part of the game is the last five minutes of the game. I'd have to agree mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're if you're not if you're just a novice right. fan, but you you got to check this kid out. And there's a lot of good young players in the game. Anthony Edwards mm-hmm. for for Minnesota hit a big three to tie that game up last night. And then Jaw comes down mm-hmm. and Ant- Edwards six seconds left in the game. Yeah, on a curl, Edwards was trailing the play. He should have went under mm-hmm. it and made Jaw shoot a jump shot. Instead, he trailed him off his behind, and then he took the ball to the basket mm-hmm. and does what Jaw does. Um, that series is. Like I said, if you're if you're just a, a casual basketball fan, you got to catch these two young teams play. And I'm going to talk real quick about the two series that are over. Uh, Miami disposed of uh, Atlanta yeah, last night. As everybody, yeah, and, and I mean, you never see this in the playoffs. Miami said, "Jimmy Butler, just take the night off. We don't even need you. No problem." They wound up beating Atlanta last night. And I think back to the draft, what three years ago, uh, when. Atlanta drafted Luka Doncic and then traded him to Dallas for Trey Young. Trey Young in this series shot 16% from three-point range, and he averaged – he had 30 turnovers in that series. A five-game series, he had 30 turnovers. Um, they just they just dismantled Atlanta. And then Boston sweeps Brooklyn. Uh, Brooklyn, you know, to Tommy's point with the Penguins. Brooklyn reminds me a little bit of the Penguins. you got a couple – big stars, but what it does is it it straps you as far as the rest of your roster. Brooklyn has Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and the rest that are the no, rest yeah. of the roster is a steaming pile of dog shit. Yeah. I mean, and if those two don't score thirty five or forty points a game, both of them, they have no chance of winning. They get swept by Boston. And Jason Tatum, I, wow. I mean, this guy has arrived. I mean, he now has a seat at the dinner table yeah. as far as um one of the elite players in the league. He averaged 30 a game in that series. Tonight, we got Milwaukee playing Chicago. Milwaukee's up 3-1. Again, another, you know, teams like the, you can use an excuse for somebody getting hurt. Chris Middleton, their all-star small forward, gets hurt. Game five, no problem. Or game five, no problem. Drew Holiday steps up, scores 26. Grayson Allen off the bench scored 27. He was Shout out, Craig. The game. There's yeah, your boy. Shout out to the, uh, the Dukies. Um, Milwaukee should dispose of Chicago you know, that's, tonight. That's I don't think they want to go to right. a game six. I think they want to get some rest. Philly and Toronto. Before the playoffs mm-hmm. started, I said I like Toronto in this series. I didn't like Harden with Embiid. And then Philly goes up 3 nothing in that series. And I'm thinking, wow, I really know the NBA. <laughs> well, Toronto goes to Philly the other day and wins game five. Now they're down three games to two going home to Toronto. And Bede has an injured thumb on mm-hmm. his shooting hand that's going to require surgery after the season. The last two games, he hasn't, he hasn't been, been Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. James Harden has been nowhere to be found. 
right? He makes almost. 40. We call that when the trade was made. Uh, he's not the player he was in 17 and 18. He had 14 points in the last game. He played 39 minutes. He scored 14 points. Um, if Toronto wins game six, like they always say, anything can happen in a game seven. And if Toronto wins this series, they'll be the first team in NBA history to ever be down three, three nothing and come back and win a playoff series. Um, Phoenix should dispose of New Orleans. Um, That's they, been a much more competitive well, series been, than I thought. It's been competitive, but Phoenix is missing mm-hmm. Devin Booker. Right. Okay. You know, Mikel Bridges comes out, scores 31 last night. Chris Paul was huge. Um, he's He hasn't been scoring. He's a true point guard. Scores 12 points, sets the tone last night in the first quarter. And uh, Phoenix dismantled New Orleans last night. And Brandon Ingram's been great for New Orleans, but they're just, they're not there they're, yet. No, they might not. be there in another year or two. Doesn't uh, so? Just a question on on the NBA. Doesn't Zion Williamson play for New Orleans? Uh, well, Supposedly they pay him. Isn't yes. he hurt? Uh, well, yeah. Well, why was I seeing him? He's do the Lonnie Chisholm Hall. Why was he doing windmill dunks underneath his leg yeah. through the hoop, and then but somehow can't play in a game? Yeah. How's that work? Well, ask, how do I get that job? Ask, oh, I can't windmill dunk, but you right. get what I'm saying. Ask Ben Simmons. I mean, yeah, the guy hasn't thing. played since last June. I mean, he's been on. Well, he's Brooklyn's. Uh, he said. Bench. He said the pressure is tough on his back. Well, he said they. They. I. I seen a meme the other day that said he. He's definitely going to play in Game Five, even though there is no Game Five. <laughs> right. They got swept. Um, yeah, I, I. New Orleans is getting close if they can get a healthy Zion next year. I mean, you're going to see the Western Conference start to shift. Um, the Lakers aren't going. to – I don't think the Lakers are going to be good next year. I mean, mm-hmm. they're strapped for cash. I mean, they got three players that make mm-hmm. a combined, I think, 120 some million dollars. Well, so, it's time for LeBron to move right, on. So yeah. Well, he'll find. He's been there long enough. Yeah, he'll be, with, he'll be with Golden State. Yeah, next yeah. Year. That, that's right. where they try to compare him to Jordan. I think it's a joke. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he just goes where he thinks he can win. Golden State should dispose of Denver tonight. Denver has obviously the Joker. He's the only guy on that team right. that really can cause any damage. Uh, Golden State should wrap that series up tonight, and then the Dallas Utah series goes back to Utah. I've talked in the last two podcasts about um, Jalen Brunson. He's averaging 28 a game. This is his second-round pick that didn't have a guaranteed contract coming out of college. He was a four-year starter at Villanova. Um, he learned under Jay Wright. It seems like all these Villanova players always become solid NBA players. This guy's going to get a big payday next year. And Doncic's back. And this series would be over. Doncic had the ball in game four at the end of the game and didn't get off a good shot. Had, had, he, had he made his move a little earlier, this series could be over. So uh, – yeah, these playoffs are heating up, and once we get into the second round, we're gonna we're we're, we're really gonna get into it. Absolutely. Uh, now on to what I've been waiting for for months and months and months. Now the NFL drags out the off season so much. The draft used to be in March, now it's the end of April. It kills you getting to this point, but we're here finally. Hallelujah! And the nothing's changed. Everything's still up in the air. At this point, you thought some things may crystallize today and some news would come out. Nothing. Uh, Still all over the place. Mock drafts everywhere. Um, You know, I think it's going to be a crazy. The only thing I'll say is I think tomorrow's going to be crazy. Last year was very mellow. We didn't see many trades. There weren't a lot of surprises. I think this year is going to be the exact opposite. You're going to see a ton of trades, a lot of teams moving up, moving back. Um, You may see Debo Samuel traded um, tomorrow, this weekend. Michael shaking his head. No, I'm not so sure. Um, who knows? I, I just the anticipation's killing me. I can't wait. Where's Kenny Pickett going to land? Who knows? It's been all over the board. Who? I mean, Malik Willis. Um, and I've been doing a lot of studying on that. And let's start there, guys. 
it's mind-boggling to me. The three of us have been watching the NFL draft forever. We've been studying the NFL forever. We've been NFL fans forever. It's mind-boggling to me how a player can move up or down draft boards based upon what they do in shorts. And it seems to me, and I don't want to overgeneralize, paint with a broad brush, whatever you want to say, but it's these guys that shoot up boards because of what they do in shorts always disappoint. They always disappoint. Look at the film. The film doesn't lie. Anybody, I mean, in shorts, yeah, I mean, okay, Malik Willis can throw the ball through this wall right here in shorts with no pressure, with no defense in front of him. That's not football. Last I checked, he threw 13 interceptions at Liberty. He couldn't hack it at Auburn, so he goes to Liberty and throws 13 interceptions. But now this guy's the top quarterback coming out? How is this possible? Well, I mean, this is the way it's been. We've complained about this. I, 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 I'm, not saying, no, right. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, Mark. I, I'm just saying that's the way it is. Um, every GM knows if they don't get a quarterback, right, if they mm-hmm. don't get the guy that can lead them to the playoffs, they're going to lose their job. So it, it, it's like buying a lottery right. ticket. You're not real sure if it's going to work out. If it works out, great. If it doesn't, you're moving on to probably television. Most GMs right. need to go yeah. into television after they get fired. Um, I happen to like Willis. I don't think there's much separation between six feet tall. I, the height doesn't bother me as much. He's not slender. He's not like a, a Lamar Jackson, and he, and he's bigger, a lot bigger than Kyler Murray. Um, and I I just don't think there's much separation between Willis, Pickett. Desmond uh, Ritter. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Desmond Ritter. I, like I would Ritter take Desmond Ritter over Malik Willis I, I think in a he's heartbeat. Sure, um, you know, like I said last week, he won forty-three college mm-hmm. games, and I don't care what conference you're playing in. Forty-three college games is a right. lot of college games to win. I thought film he, doesn't lie. No, it doesn't lie. And I thought Ritter played okay in in the uh, BCS in the, uh, playoff right. game. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen, Alabama, you know, they had way more talent, but. He navigated the offense, mm-hmm. but they just didn't have enough weapons right. for him. Now, how about if he had the same weapons that uh, the guy, Bryce right. Young, that won mm-hmm. the, the Heisman Trophy had? We might be talking about Ritter in a different light. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think there's much separation between the three quarterbacks. I think at- there's not much separation between Ritter and Pickett. I would agree with you there. I think there's a wide gulf between those two and Malik Willis. Yeah, I, I disagree. I mean, I, I've seen enough Willis tape to, to know he, he – 13 picks I, I, listen, at Liberty, I, dude. You, his accuracy is lacking, to say the least. I, again, you got to look at – And he was a one-read guy. Well, we're looking at guys like – how about Josh Allen that came out when he played at Wyoming? And he had an awful senior year. He had an awful year. It was the projectables. That, what now, the size. Six, uh, okay, there okay, you go. Okay, there you go. We're talking about yeah. height. Okay. Yeah. But he had the same – weapons that Malik Willis had. And I just think, you know, I don't see the separation between the three of them. I I, I think they're all – I don't think any of them are franchise, like, quarterbacks. We're not talking about your Josh Allens. And Josh Allen hasn't even gotten right. to a Super Bowl. So, I mean, there's no Patrick Mahomes here. Um, I don't see much separation between the three. Yeah, and, you know – what scares me most about this is that 
for the from looking at it from a Steelers perspective, which is you know what we're ultimately getting at here, um, is I think that the I think the main I think you guys both said what the main difference is is that Ritter and Pickett are pretty much ready-made guys. They've played a lot of quiet level and they've college won. football. Both of them. They've won Pickett this year, mm-hmm. Ritter over his career. Um, I, I think they're both ready-made products, and I think that Willis, um, the difference with him is that he doesn't have that experience. You know, he went to Auburn, he, you know, he got beat out, so he transfers like everybody does. In that would be a huge now. red flag to me, though. Um, well, not anymore. Not anymore. That that I think that stigma is gone. I mean, everybody, I mean, everybody, It's there's, there's going to be guys now regularly that graduate with four years of experience and play to four different schools. I mean, and I hate it, but that's beside the point. The difference between the guys, between Pickett and Ritter, is if if you're a team that needs a quarterback now, you're looking at those guys. If you're mm-hmm. a team, if you're a team like the Steelers or somebody like that that has a guy that maybe is going to work out, maybe you take a Willis because Willis isn't going to be ready to play. Right. Willis is going to have to sit for at least a year and maybe two. What I, from a perspective of the Steelers, is I I, I have a bad feeling they're going to take one, even though I don't think I just think this is the wrong year. I think Willis is the guy that makes the most sense for them because the other two guys you shouldn't have signed Trubisky if you were gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna draft one of those two guys. And the thing that hasn't been talked about enough, in my opinion, in this town or even nationally, I don't think they have the coaching staff to coach up Malik Willis. And if you get a guy and you've got a quarterback guru or you've got an offensive coordinator that's been around for a while and is an established veteran type guy. Who's worked with young quarterbacks and like a Bruce Arians? Mm-hmm. Yeah, somebody like that that has a track record for doing this. Then you gamble and you mm-hmm. maybe you take the lottery That's ticket. A good point. And you take a look at it. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think the Steelers have it. I don't think that Matt Canada and to a lesser degree Mike Sullivan and the and whoever this quarterback assistant coach that they had just hired is. I, I don't think this is the staff that's going to take a quarterback and nurture him and 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 grow him into some elite quarterback. And that's. My concern with all of this is that they have too many needs to pat to take a gamble on a lottery ticket, and even if they do, they don't have the coaching staff to coach them up. And that's my fear going into this. And and I don't see any reason to take Pickett or Ritter and have them sit behind Trubisky for a year. I think mm-hmm. if you bring those guys in, you start them. Right, I agree wholeheartedly. And I want to let's expound upon your point. You talk about they don't have the coaching staff. To, to coach up a, a young quarterback who's going to need solid coaching to take the next step. I'm going to expand that and say, I don't think the Steelers right now are an organization that does much right. And I know that's not what people want to hear in this town, but do the homework. They're three and seven in their last 10 playoff games. Three and seven. That to me is pathetic. That's mediocre. That's mediocrity. That they've missed the playoffs four times in the last eleven years. This is a franchise that is living off a of reputation and not production. And if you go back to the drafts, that's why I'm very nervous. This is Kevin Colbert's last draft. Listen, Kevin's a great guy by all accounts, a wonderful human being. This is not an indictment on who he is as a person. So I don't want anyone to get offended that I'm attacking a good person. I'm not. This is attacking his track record, and this is. The guy, we're talking about quarterbacks this year, right? The last time they they were going to go after a quarterback, they were going to go offensive alignment. Let's not forget that. Kevin Colbert 
and Cowher wanted to take Shane fucking Andrews uh, I think over Cole, I think Roethlisberger. I think and Dan Rooney I think came in. Well, supposedly both of them. And Dan Rooney came into the room and said, uh, hey, gentlemen, uh-uh, we're taking this guy. So this Colbert, Tomlin, Inspire, zero confidence in me. And the track record proves it out. And everybody could say, oh, they do great in the regular season. Most Who cares? We talk about what the Penguins all do. But regular season doesn't matter. It's all about what you do in the money rounds. And that's what the Steelers have been built on. That's what we're supposedly all about here with the Steelers, the mighty Steelers. They've done nothing. And a large part of that, because we all know they built through the draft. Yes, he's hit on some. T.J. Watt, great pick. He moved up to take Palomalu. Great. He also moved up to take Devin Bush. Awful. He also took... Artie Burns in the first round. He took Sean Davis in the second round. I I went back and looked today. He's had many, many more misses than he has hits, and it's been proven out in what the Steelers have done since Dan Rooney has moved on from the team. Do you think this being Colbert's last draft, does that change his mindset as far as drafting? So if this is your last draft – I think he's going to want to get that quarterback. Right. So if this is your last draft, are you taking a center from Iowa? I don't think so. And listen, the only defensive tackle I see is the kid from from Georgia. He is which so, one? Uh, not Wyatt, but uh, Jordan, yeah, because Wyatt supposedly yeah. has all these off field. He's off a lot of boards now. So yeah, he's moved on. He had a domestic yeah. violence case right. against him. But your last draft, you want it to be and and listen, if you miss on it, you splash. miss on it. Yeah, right. you, you want to make a splash, and then you walk off into the sunset. Either way. I don't think you're going to take an offensive lineman or uh, or a defensive tackle. You're, you're going to want to make that last draft memorable. Now it might be memorable for the wrong reasons, right, right, right. but I mean, you know, I'm going to go out, you know, guns a blazing. I mean that, yeah. but that's I don't know if that's going to. He is the all. If he has the say so on all the decisions, then I, I think he goes quarterback. But I mean, if it's an organizational decision, then I, the, it, it, that could right. change it. Right. Well. I'm not anywhere near as down on Colbert as I am you, as you are. I agree with you that the organization itself has lost some of the shine, in my opinion, this mm-hmm. Steeler way and this magical myth of, of fairy dust that they sprinkle on everything that the Steelers do a certain way. Um, three wins, three playoff wins in 11 years is the only number that counts. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, you know, if, if Tomlin never has a losing year until the day right. he dies – but never wins a playoff game again. What are we talking about here? I mean, I, you know, I, I understand there's a certain feat to that, but I think the Steelers are in desperate need of doing some things differently. The difference is, and then and, and to get to your Colbert point as far as making a big swing in this draft, um, he's not going anywhere. He's just not going to be the GM. He's still going to work for the Steelers. You know, and this BS that the Steelers put out every year that we make a decision as a group, Nobody is, you know, so nobody's really to blame or nobody's right, right. really to praise. Um, I, I still think this has been – I think Tomlin's been making the picks for a long time. I think Colbert goes out and does most of the legwork and presents a list of players, and Tomlin picks who he wants. Um, so I, I don't I don't think this is going to be any different because Colbert – this is Colbert's last draft. Um, I think if Malik Willis is there, um, they're going to draft him. Um, I hope – that somebody else takes them beforehand and takes it out of their hands. Um, Please. Um, but, I, you know. I, we'll be watching the draft here tomorrow night. If they take Willis at 20. Oh, Lord. Uh, all those paintings on the wall. Who knows what could happen. I, I, 
I am not to be held responsible for anything that happens well, if they I, take I in. I literally listen to different. I listen to different radios and talk shows and read stuff online today. I don't know that I've seen a, a mock draft right now that has anybody but Willis going. Um, so you know, I hope. I just I hope, hope and pray it's been a smokescreen. I hope they're wrong. The problem, see what I just don't. This is. I'll tell you one way to, to not be mad about this, and see yeah. if I can if, if I can talk you off this right. a little bit. If. The Steelers' biggest need to me is defensive line. It's the one thing on this team. Couldn't agree with you more. You they, made that point from the beginning. They, they have to get younger. That they haven't addressed. I still don't know if Tewitt's going to be back. They're still evasive. They, he was asked yeah. to so Tomlin. Let's he's assume fine. that even if Tewitt's back, they still are a very old defensive mm-hmm. line. Um, I, they've addressed everything else in free agency or, or through the draft. The offense is one of the youngest in football. Um uh, you know, they, they signed a bunch of pieces for offensive line. As far as a pressing need, a young stud defensive lineman just screams at me. The problem is, is that where they're going to be picking, much like last year, we have to get offensive line last year. Well, when they took Najee, there wasn't a lot of other positions. There wasn't a lot of guys to take it in a need position. So they took Najee. So this year, if you're a Steeler fan and you don't want them to draft a quarterback like me, okay, what else is on the board for them at that time? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't think that Jordan Davis is going to be there. I don't think he's going to be there either. I, I know Michael's done a ton of research on the draft, and he doesn't think he's going to be there. He's that much better than the other de- – there's good other defensive tackles, but like you said, when you're picking at 20, I'm not reaching for one of those guys when I can get one of those guys in the second round. Devontae Wyatt, the other the other guy that's going to be available is off a lot of boards. There's been a uh, Andrew Filipponi this week said that he's been told that he's off the Steelers mm-hmm. board for off the field issues and things like that. So there's not a defensive lineman that's going to be screaming there at that position. Um, the, their history of drafting cornerbacks, mm-hmm. I don't know that they're going to take a corner at that position. Um, the offensive tackle, uh, the kid from Penning, yeah, Penning from Northern Iowa. Um, I, what's ironic is it seems like they have the same boards every year. But I think the Ravens are going to take either Jordan Davis mm-hmm. or Penning at 14. And then if one of those two that they don't take slides to the Steelers, you know, maybe there's an option there. Although I don't think the Steelers need think they need a tackle. I what think about wide receiver? What do you think? Again, if one, there's just so many yeah, wide they, receivers. It's such a deep class yeah. with the wide receivers. We talked about the right. wide receivers a couple weeks ago. And when I say deep, that's obviously the deepest and mm-hmm. most talented position in this draft. And you can get – at 20, you could get the same guy in the second round, maybe even the third round. I mean, it's I, I, I don't see them going wide receiver, but, I mean, if somebody falls to them that they're really in love with, you never know. I mean, like this draft is completely all over the place. I, I, I have no idea what anybody's going to do. So, I mean, if you sit and look at it, if you think about it from a Steelers perspective, if I was in the Steelers front office and I was looking at my team, I would say that my weaknesses on offense are a young quarterback – an offensive tackle on the on the offensive side of the mm-hmm. ball and a wide receiver with offensive tackle and wide receiver being, to my mm-hmm. opinion, Agreed. more pressing. But mm-hmm. the reality of it is for the Steelers, they probably would just say wide receiver or young quarterback because I don't think they think tackle is you know they I, they they seem to feel like they can fill tackles whenever they want on the defensive side of the ball. They need defensive linemen. Outside linebackers are good. Inside linebacker, maybe there's a spot there. But what are you going to do? 20. What are you going to do with Bush? But yes, yeah, exactly. Not at twenty. 
uh, cornerback and safety. So the, when you look at what is going to be available at twenty, if there's if you know there, I, now I saw a thing today that there that Stingley could go now in the top, top five. Yeah. Yes. Juice Gardner could be in the top ten, and they're they're saying there could be three or four cornerbacks gone by twelve. So if the cornerbacks are gone, and Jordan Davis is gone, and Penning is gone, now you're looking at safety let me, at twenty. Okay, there are hypotheticals or, or out of the wazoo you could play with the draft. I get that, but I'm but, talking specific to so what to they your, need. Right. And so to your point, they sign Edmonds at safety, two and a half million one year contract. So they're not exactly ringing. He's not their future, obviously. If Kyle Hamilton is there at 14, do you move up and take Kyle Hamilton? No, because they don't have the capital. They just don't have the draft capital. And I've said this before early on in this process. Next year is the year where they're going to potentially have capital. When they, If Flores gets signed to be a head coach, they get two third-round picks for him signing to be a head coach. They've got more picks and a better draft next year. You don't want to give up. They just don't have enough capital this year. They only have six picks or seven. I'm sorry, seven picks, two of which are in mm-hmm. the seventh round. They don't have the capital to be doing it. And they got a lot of holes. Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting. Tomorrow's going to be like the Wild West, and <laughs> I, I, I can't wait for it. We'll see what happens. Awesome. Great uh, draft talk there. Appreciate it, fellas. Uh, let's move so, on. Well, yeah. Before yeah. we finish, do we yeah. want to make a final prediction of what we think the Steelers are going to do? Sure. Let's do it. I, I, Why for not? me, I, I, last week I said Desmond Ritter. I'm saying Desmond Ritter again. I hope to God you're right. Anyway. I I, I think it's going to be Malik Willis. But I am hoping, and I, I, I apologize because I'm, I'm drawing blank. The safety from Michigan? Oh, is, Bax, uh, uh, Baxton Hill. Baxton, Baxton Hill. Hill. Thank Why are you, you making that face? No, I, I was thinking of it too. It uh, I thought face. you were making it. I would like to see them. I would. I listened to a couple people that. talk about him today. Yeah. About him being a Steelers, the, the kind of mm-hmm. safety the Steelers need. I think it's going to be Malik Willis, but I would love for it to be. Uh, I'm with you on that. Uh, and unfortunately, I think you're right. That's why I'm so anti the pick. I think it's going to be Malik Willis, and I think that half of these painters are going to be off the wall tomorrow night. Uh, I think it's going to be a horrible pick. I'm calling it right now. I think that's what they're going to do. Uh, I would prefer Daxton Hill. I would prefer a wide receiver. I would prefer, much prefer Desmond Ritter. You pretty much prefer anything else. No, not really. Well, but, yeah, because you just said anything but Malik Willis. So well, pretty technically, much. Yeah. anything but Malik well, Willis. Well, instead of some guys that may go in the. Th- look, they're notorious. Terrell Edmonds, speaking of Terrell Edmonds, I mean, he was a fourth round guy and they took him in the first round. So not over anybody. I will say this, though, and you can write this yeah. down, although I probably, it probably won't happen. <laughs> but if there is a scenario tomorrow where Jordan Davis. And Malik Willis are available twenty. I think they take Jordan Davis. I agree with you. I really I do. agree with you. I think I think they like Davis better. I think he's higher up on their board. That's why Tomlin, when he was at his pro day, said there's no chance this guy's going to be here. So I think if he is there, I think without a doubt they take him. I'm I don't 100%. think he falls to twenty. No, but if he does, couldn't agree more. Yep, I agree. Um, I think they're going to take Willis, um, and we'll see. Hopefully, I'm wrong. I, I don't see it, but hopefully I'm wrong, and um, you know, prove to be a, a good NFL quarterback. I, I, as long as I've been watching the sport, we haven't missed on many. We talk about the draft efforts done, and we, we, you know, we reflect and say this guy's a bust. This guy's going to have a decent career. We don't miss on many, um, but I hope I'm wrong in that case because I do like the Steelers and I root for the Steelers. But um, 
I don't know. We'll see. Time will tell. I'm all flustered because I don't even want to think about them taking him. But Well, and then if I may add one final thing for the NFL draft. Yeah. Here. I know your relationship with Kenny Pickett. Yep. I know you're a big Pickett fan. Yeah. What do you think? What do you, What do you think he's going to wind up? Where do you think yep. he goes? That's a great question. I, that's a million dollar question. I don't think anybody knows. I've at seen this it point. everywhere. I've seen yeah. him going six. I've seen him going to thirty two Detroit. Seen him going to forty three to Atlanta. I, it's who the hell knows? Yeah. I, like Tom said last week, the draft will start after the after at six. At six. Yep. Because that that's where we're going to see all the chips starting to fall right, right there. So right. We'll I, find I don't out think anybody night. knows. We're going to find yep. out. Um, I still think our five are going to hold. I think the five guys we said last week still got a shot. I'd be shocked. <laughs> I'd be shocked. I, we're going to see some weird shit. Yeah, tomorrow. I think we are. I really we're do. We're going to see some really weird shit. And it could, I mean, you know, Houston's Houston for a reason. Jacksonville's Jacksonville for a reason. Detroit's Detroit. So who the hell knows with these teams on what they're going to do? I, I think, you, you know, there's top five probably will end up in the top five, top seven, if if not the top five for sure. Um but we'll see. Kenny, who knows? I mean, you know, I, I just hope he ends up in a good situation. I don't want him in Detroit. I, I think that'd be a horrible situation for him. Um, well, I Carolina, think it, I think, would be a good one for him. I think he's got the relationship with Rule already. I think. I don't think. I, I don't think Detroit's as far off as they always are. Campbell's I think Dan good, Campbell yeah. is starting to build something there, you know, and I, I think that they're going to have a shot. And if he gets picked by them, it's going to be thirty-two. So right. they're going to take somebody else before him. So. Either way, we really don't know what the hell is going to happen. But I, I sure as hell can't wait for tomorrow night. I know. I, it's like I'm all jittery already. Anyway, all right. So, fact or fiction. We have a few fact or fiction uh, tonight. If you missed it last week. Yeah. My first fact or fiction. The Steelers will be drafted around 1030. How many naps will Michael have to take before we get to 1030? I say two throughout the course of the day. Mark, do you think that's fact or fiction? I think that's fact. Yeah, no, I think no, it's fact. No, no, I'm gonna have I'll have a coffee when I get here, and I'll have a coffee once the draft starts. I, it'll be like I'm on cocaine. I, I'll be I'll be awake. I'll be awake. <laughs> that's a good one. I like that. See that? That's a good start to fact there or fiction. All right. For those of you that missed it last week, fact or fiction? We get a couple statements. Is it fact or is it fiction? Um, let's go back to the Pirates. First fact or fiction: One of their top prospects, Nick Gonzalez, whoever you name him. Whenever they're called up, we'll have the same impact as Wander Franco right now in Tampa. Fact or fiction? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, all right. Well, let's play. Let's play this out. In my yeah. opinion, I think O'Neill Cruz will be the first big prospect because I think he's closest. Um, so I'm going to say fiction. Boy, that's a high. That's a high bar. That's a real high. So bar. I, I think O'Neill. I think O'Neill Cruz is is going to. I think if he comes up and gets 200 bats, I think he'll probably hit about 220, and he'll hit mm-hmm. some balls where we go, holy shit, what was that? <laughs> um, but I don't know if he'll have that kind of impact. I, I don't think there's anybody in the I'll, – I'll say I'll, I'll say fiction because I, I don't think there's any – listen, we got some really good baseball players in mm-hmm. our minor league system, and but Wander Franco's a different cat. <laughs> I mean, this, this kid can hit. I mean, he, he came up at 19. Uh, he, he's like a Juan Soto. Mm-hmm. I mean – of Vladdy Guerrero, those kind of guys, you don't do. I mean, those come along very, very few and far between. So I, I'll, I'm going to say fiction, but I do think some of these guys are going to be really good major league baseball players. But to have the impact Wander Franco's had, uh, that's fiction. Okay, uh, I agree. It's fiction. I don't think any of them. I, I, to your point, I think they have a lot of great prospects, but none at that level for sure. Another fun one: the ratings for the draft tomorrow night, Thursday night, first round will be higher than any other show over the past month. Well, that's fact. 
Uh, <laughs> that's definitely fact. I mean, it's just that people can't get enough of NFL football. It's uh, the way they market their, their their brand. I mean, we're talking about the last season of This Is Us. Yeah. I mean, we're talking some shows that pull some ratings here. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know who watches that. But, well, I mean, so obviously somebody watches yeah. it, but I, it won't be me. Um, <laughs> I'll be here watching the draft. No, the draft the draft's going to pull some serious ratings. That's definitely fact. Yeah, I'll say fact, too. I think it's going to be the biggest number since the Super Bowl. I don't think anything's going to touch it since the Super Bowl. I mean, the NFL is is what it is. I mean, look at it. We've done 13 podcasts. We've talked about the draft in every single one of them. We'll talk about it for another two or three past this because we'll be talking about what happened in the draft and then the after effects of the draft. And before you know it, we'll be in training camp, and then away it goes. I mean, the NFL is, no is the king of, of right. marketing, man. They, they are. They in and – they keep you talking about it. People can't wait. And, and, you know, it's been four months, right? Four months since we've had any NFL. I, I agree. I think it's fact. I think the ratings are going to be through the roof. They know how to do everything. They do everything right when it comes to marketing their product. And this is this yet another example of it. The ratings will be through the roof. Tom, a great point. I think it will be the highest rated show since the Super Bowl. And we know what kind of ratings the Super Bowl pulls every year. It's the highest rated show every year. So um, I, I, I agree. I think it's fact. Okay, fun one for you, Tommy. All right. Watching the game last night, we already talked about Connor McDavid. Mm -hmm. Special cat. Fact or fiction? Connor McDavid is the best hockey player in the last 20 years. Is So, all right. Uh, let me, if I yeah. could give you, I get sure. some clarification. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On that. <laughs> okay. Uh, the best, the most talented hockey player or the best overall okay. player? I think they're one in the same, same to me. They're not. No? Okay. Well. Uh, because, and I'll, let me answer it this way. Talented. The most talented player? Yes. Fact. There is nobody in hockey, um, and I include even Mario, my idol, that has the package that he does. The shooting, the skating. The, the hands. The hands. I mean, yep. his release Passing. and his skating. I mean, for in my opinion, he's... Mario Lemieux uh, in, in hands with Paul Coffey's legs, skating-wise. And, I mean, talent-wise, there is nobody with that kind of talent. So I will say fact, he's definitely the most talented of the last 20 years. Overall, fiction. Because Sidney Crosby is still the best overall player. McDavid doesn't play defense. McDavid doesn't win the face-offs, doesn't take the important draws that he does. Uh, Crosby's just two, a 200-foot grinder, talent, just a hair below talent level of what McDavid has, but McDavid doesn't have the overall skill set. Well, you know, I don't know jack shit about hockey, <laughs> but I did watch a little bit of that last night. And if I can tell he was the best player on the ice, then he's definitely the best. I would have to say fact. I mean, the way I watched him skate last night, and I don't know anything about hockey, I was like, wow, this guy is – he he's – He's a better skater than everybody else out on the ice. So for me, now obviously Tom's talking about the total package right. with Sidney Crosby with the face-offs and all that stuff and grinding. Talent-wise, back for me. And to get back to what we talked about <coughs> last week's podcast, part of my rant was about how that game, you know, the game was on ESPN on a Tuesday in April where, you know, baseball playoff, baseball season has started. The NBA playoffs are going on. It's draft week, for God's sakes. And – as a not as a not as a just a casual fan passing through, 
McDavid, hey, that guy's that's, pretty good. That's why I stopped. If you if that was on a Saturday afternoon in February where there's nothing else on TV and you have a fa- casual person like a sports fan like Michael passing through, wow, hey, this McDavid guy's pretty mm-hmm. good. Maybe you sit down and watch mm-hmm. it for a little while. And then maybe and then you start to enjoy the game a little you, bit. Maybe you go, hey, you know, I, I want to see that guy play yeah. again. Or maybe if Crosby was playing better, hey, these guys are pretty good. That's what I'm talking about. How you know as great as the NFL is at marketing, mm-hmm. God, the NHL just sucks at this stuff, and it's a shame that they don't do a better job. Because Michael and I were talking today, the average person in the United States has no idea who Connor McDavid is. They mm-hmm. just don't, and that's a shame. It, really it is, is a shame because they're missing one of the top talents of our generation in any sport. Period. The end. Tommy, good point. Good distinction there between Crosby and McDavid. I'll, I'll, I'll let you have that one. Thank you. Thank yeah, that was a good one. All right, so we're we've been going here for a while. So why don't we end up? Uh, let's close with our rants, closing comments. Uh, my rant for tonight is uh, Saturday. I just happened to have MLB Network on at one o'clock. I don't know why, but they cut in to the Detroit Tiger game, mm-hmm. and yeah. Miguel Cabrera came up and like he's been doing for twenty years. Slashed a single to right field. That was his 3,000th hit. We will never see another Major League Baseball player ever get 3,000 hits. This guy's one of the best hitters, not just of our generation, but best right-handed hitters of all time. And I'll put it in perspective that people don't know. He's one of only three players in Major League Baseball history to ever have a 300 career batting average, 500 home runs, and 3,000 hits. It's Miguel Cabrera, Willie Mays, and Hank Aaron. So for anybody that thinks they're ever going to see another guy get 3,000 hits, good luck with that. Well, most of my rants revolve around the Pirates. So, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do something different today. Oh, nice. Okay. I'm not going to rant about the Pirates. I'm going to give a short praise on the Pirates this week. Just because I feel like I've been very hard on them. I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, praise the owner. He still sucks. Uh, but... Derek Shelton and the boys, you've got my attention through 17 games. I thought you would be two and 15, <laughs> three and 14 at this point. It ain't. I could care less what your win loss record is. It's nice to see Major League Baseball players that care, that hustle. You've got my attention. I hope you can keep it. So. I'll be a little nicer on the Pirates. Excellent. Week. I'm, I'm going to be nice too this week. Uh, I don't have a rant. I just want to call out. The good in sports. And if you didn't see it today, it was announced that Peyton Manning and the the Pay Forward Foundation are establishing a scholarship in the name of Demarius Thomas, Peyton's former teammate in Denver, at Georgia Tech for students from Demarius' hometown and surrounding areas that have financial need and have... um, you know, the, the grades to get into Georgia Tech, um, the, the academic uh, aptitude to get into Georgia Tech. It'll pay all four years, and as many kids that qualify will get it. That's amazing. I mean, Peyton Manning, he played with Demarius for, what, three years? He was in Denver for three years. Uh, you know, Peyton, we all love Peyton. He's hilarious. He does the commercials. He's on Saturday Night Live. Still my favorite Saturday Night Live of all time when he was host. This guy does it all. Uh, of course, had a Hall of Fame career in the NFL. Uh, but more important, look what he's doing off the field. This guy is a total class act, and stuff like that needs to be called out. It shouldn't be buried anywhere. I think on ESPN it was like the eighth story today. Um, you had to dig to get to it. Um, 
you know, that's a great example of, you know, these guys, you know, you don't see these stories all the time, but the good that they can do, uh, and especially Peyton, we've all, he's just a tremendous human being. So kudos to, to Peyton and the, the Pay Forward Foundation. Well, look how positive we were this week. I know. Look, look at that. that. See? Three, Especially three, coming off the yeah. NFL draft and getting all fired up about the draft. Yeah, till next week. T- yeah, t- exactly. We'll be back to normal yeah. next week. Yeah. Until then, everybody, enjoy the draft tomorrow night. Enjoy the Pirates. We've talked about them. They're, they're actually fun to watch right now. There's no quitting that team. Enjoy them. Enjoy the draft. We'll talk to you next week. Talk to you, everybody. See you.